My name is Jonette Gay, and I'm the pastor of Audubon United Methodist Church. I have with me today our media specialist. Hi, Jason Burgess. And we want to talk and we want to listen. Our faith is seen and understood in many topics. We're glad you've tuned in today to Hey Hey, Anybody Listening? Our Lenten time this season, it's, I like to think about death, that might sound strange, but since Jesus died before rising, Lent is a time where we sort of get in touch with our grief sometimes. I had a member of a church years ago who, many years before I arrived, she told about when she was a young mother, she had a teenage son who was killed in a car accident. And then four years later, she had a second teenage son who was killed in a car accident. That's a lot of grief for one mother. She said she was in the throes of grief in her bed and she, one morning, heard the garbage truck and she got angry. She said, how can they go on with their life? Don't they know it's over? Which reminds me of that song, why does the sun go on shining? Why does the sea rush to shore? Don't they know it's the end of the world because you don't love me anymore? Why do the birds go on singing? Why do the stars glow above? Don't they know it's the end of the world? It ended when I lost your love. I wake up in the morning and I wonder why everything's the same as it was. I can't understand. Why does my heart go on beating? Don't they know it's the end of the world? It ended when I said goodbye. The thing about her is whenever she was deep in the throes of grief in a almost a stupor, mm-hmm. she said the mundane took her out of it. She did get up. She did take the trash out. She did put one step in front of the other. So as a transition, Jason, I was wanting to know about you and if you felt loss with your addiction that you can relate to the feeling of loss. Well, I don't know, hearing you tell that story um, actually caused me to think of the story of losing my mother. My uh, my mother was born uh, with heart disease. Um, she told this story when I was younger um, to me several times, but um, she was born in 1952 and there was two other young girls who were born in, in the same community who all had the same name and who all had the same diagnosis. She told the story how in her kindergarten class, um, it was the three Teresas, and um, the first one passed away over the holiday break from wow. romantic fever. Well then, over the course of that summer, the second one passed away. Uh, my mother was the last remaining of these three Teresas from this kindergarten class. The school then handled her with kid gloves all the way through. Oh. Um, she wasn't allowed to go to recess. Oh. She wasn't allowed. Everybody was terrified that she was. She would um, not make it um, where... Um, I mean, that caused some 
some some issues for her but um <clears throat> eventually you know she got married she was healthy and uh then had children and then in that stress of having a child and everything um doctors told her that she wasn't going to have much much longer to live her heart was deteriorating and uh, she told me that um she prayed to god that she would at least live to see her children grow up and move on and have their own lives and uh, so i knew this story um sort of growing up and uh, my brother was first one to move out he started a family my sister then was next she started family oddly they both had daughters within six months of each other and then sons within six months of each other so my mom had this great time being a grandmother uh, but it wasn't until I moved out, um, it was almost a year later to the day that I found out that she'd passed away. Of course, you know, losing some, somebody like your mother is, um, it's a lot to go through and losing somebody young, that's a whole nother thing. But I always think she lived out her life exactly as she wanted it to, to be. Her faith in God gave her that sort of solace that she lived her life to the fullest that she could. It wasn't a loss, but more of like a, I don't know how to explain it, I guess, but I never thought that my mother left me. Because you could say gained an angel, but her spirit is part of my spirit. It sounded like she believed in you. you know, so. There's like a legacy, but but also, as you said, there's a scripture, faith, hope, and love. These three remain, but the greatest of these is love. Love doesn't stop, you're saying. It, it continues. Love doesn't ever die. My capacity for love is the capacity my mother gave me for it. So you're naming grief, but you're also naming that there's something beyond the grief. There's there's a life that continues, a love that continues. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I know we were, you'd asked me about my uh, addiction there to start. And uh, it was something that was, I don't know, in the throes of an addiction, you're, you really have lost not only yourself, but everyone around you. Um, but something that always stuck out and would always sort of haunt me was my mother's presence in in all of that, and um, I, if if my mother had been breathing here on the planet, I'm sure that idea of her pre presence would have been something that caused me more shame than it did hope. You know, uh, you're really naming something important. Um, when Jesus said when he leaves, he's going to leave a helper, a comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. So what he did to the disciples and even to us who weren't there and aren't there is a ministry of absence. They left something that you continue with. And I, I, I understand that there would be shame, mm -hmm. but now you, there's nothing left but love. Yes. Sort of whittles down all of the debris and that she gave you something she gave you some a strength that and a compassion if you don't have an experience with another human being who shares that um that that compassion and love that 
Jesus taught, um, you it's never, the word in you the never flesh. know it. Yeah. It's the word in the flesh yes. that you felt the words. You didn't just read the words. Mm -hmm. You, you felt the love. That's, that's important. Listening is a lot deeper than our ears. That's right. <laughs> well, this is changing the subject from mom and grief, but I was wondering, is it a really selfish time in the midst of addiction? Would you name it that? Yes. For years, I struggled with it because um, you can't surrender to yourself. You have to surrender to something who's going to be able to redirect you, re reframe things, or what was the bottom line motivating rock bottom this is it <laughs> i feel like i was in a rock bottom for for a long period of time and it wasn't really the rock bottom that got me at, to believe that i could do better it was it was literally somebody illustrating to me that it was possible okay i was at a point where i was in need of help and I was able to surrender to that idea. I went into uh, a detox facility. For the first time, I was talking to somebody who said he had been in recovery for two years. And um, I had never met anybody inside of the, my addiction over five years who'd successfully gotten out of it. All of a sudden, I sort of put my faith in that person's trust that I could be as they they were that at least gave me the motivation to surrender to the um, treatment facility to everybody who was trying to help me it was kind of a belief that i was born again the person i was that brought me to my addiction could no longer work again i didn't want it to yes. work like that again and yes the concept that really um sort of opened my eyes was that love is something something that requires a transaction. Love doesn't happen in your giving of it. It happens in your, your reception of it. I started to think, you know, all the love that I was giving to people who were never returning that love, you know? Um, it's sort of like feeding a black hole. It's like that phrase, keep doing the same thing over again and it um, gives the same reaction. That's a little bit insane, but. Um, yeah, so maybe not spending all of your time with those who are not loving back, but being aware when you are being given love, maybe aware when you, when someone is loving, yeah, when it is reciprocal. Uh, I know. I often was. Um, I just remember in school, I was always a little, a little more introverted, but I was always kind. I remember anybody who wanted my attention, they were going to get it, whether I wanted to give it to them or not. It's just the fact that they wanted. To, so I, I remember I would often end up with this sort of collection of friends who I didn't think they were the best people for me um, and didn't think their intentions were the best with me. I just wanted to fulfill what their needs were, always putting my needs to the side. Mm. After you do that so much, you start to resent everybody. Oh, sure. I know something about my addiction was that all of a sudden I didn't care about what other people uh -huh. <laughs> at all, <laughs> like completely to the you other were, end of the you spectrum. You were free. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, um, I mean, that's what fed the addiction. It was that recognition of self. <laughs> That's how you learn that um, being selfish uh, doesn't get you anywhere. Because uh, <laughs> The pendulum swung. Yeah. You went from doing all the giving to I'm going to take. Yes. I'm going to do what I want. And, mm. and you had to find maybe balance. 
Well, but, those of us who haven't experienced addiction, what do you want us to know? What is something that would be helpful as we may say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing to someone who's in addiction and wanting to be in recovery or mm -hmm. even in recovery? What is something you want us to know? You need to let that person know that you love them, but you also need to be ready to um, abandon them because mm -hmm. it's the loss of the love that's going to make a difference to them. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. Let them know that you love, you love them, but at the same time, be ready to abandon if that. Yeah. That is important to. Uh, I mean. To let them feel the pain. You need to know that you need the help in order to get it. And uh, I know in my active addiction, I was at some points convinced that there was no, there was no option to get out of it anybody who was trying to tell me otherwise I didn't listen to them. I guess what I would say is for somebody who's in active addiction it's really hard for the person on the outside seeing that happen. It's like you're abandoned by that person. It's a fine line of being ready to abandon them because you might be at the point where you literally are unable to forgive them. Sure. It's an ugly situation. Yes. I don't know if you have to let somebody go. If they're part of you they'll come they'll be back. So here you are in recovery. It's this, it's this good news. Yes. And are you feeling good about recovery? And Yeah, I feel just the things that I'm doing right now are all the things that I wanted to do in my life and um, never seemed to be able to get to those things because I was always worried about making sure that, you know, you grow up and you're like, well, you have to get a job. Well, that job's not necessarily the thing that it is that you want to do. Um, and you don't have the foresight to know that mm, that thing that you want may not be coming for a while. Uh, I don't know. It's a little, it's a little scary too. Okay. Because um, I feel like I put all this work in that got thrown away. Some of it I don't recall. It's like not part of me anymore. Oh. The start of my addiction, I had a huge confidence level. Nothing was going to scare me. I don't know. I lost a lot of confidence and... Um, well, maybe a little little fear is healthy. And yes. To be realistic. Yeah. If there's anyone listening sure. who is dealing with an addiction or looking for recovery, where would you send them? What, what is a good place to start? I would say go into a detox facility. It'll show you you're at rock bottom, for one. But that is a place where the people who are listening to you are there trying to get you to help. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess you have to be able to ask for the help. It's really as simple as that. If you're able to ask for the help, I would think that you're you're ready for it. That's, that's very helpful, and it's good to see you on the other side where mm -hmm. you're full of creativity and giving and finding fulfillment in mm -hmm. your work and your family. I so appreciate this time, and I look forward to many more podcasts together, sure. Jason, as we <laughs> work to to find topics where people are listening. And so I'm Jonette Gay, and I'm with Jason Burgess, um, and we are glad you tuned in. So 
glad you are with us today, and I hope you'll tune in again as we listen to one another.